by artists for artists we talk cash shit about everything and sometimes we get messy and it all counts as art because we say so i'm mel today i'm a black woman occasionally i'm allowed to be an artist this week i'm an only fans lighting specialist a mystery purse shopper for cardi b and i'm also the creator of the exercise plan sweeping the nation crunches from the couch the binge watching workout hello i am maximiliano i am riding through radio and sound waves to you how do you support Nat Turner Project, you ask? We have a Patreon page where you can get exclusive podcast episodes, which are only available behind the paywall, and we get extra messy. We have an Etsy store that's full of amazing um, merchandise. We have publications. We have buttons. Um, we have tons of stuff. Come check us out on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Facebook, Instagram. Um, all of our links in the show notes. 
if you have any questions, email us at natturnerproject0 at gmail.com and we will read it on here. Find us at natturnerproject um, on most places. And um, yeah, that's how to find us and that's how to support us. And uh, we love hearing from you. Today, it's just us. And we're doing a very special holiday episode where we count down each of our top 10 best moments of 2020, all 85 years of it. And if you're thinking to yourself, wow, you found 10 good moments in 2020? How'd you do that? Believe me when I say we're both contemplating that same question. Um, it took us some time, both of us respectively, but we managed to eke out 10 great moments in this weird ass dumpster, dumpster fire of a year, miraculously. So Melanie, <clears throat> thank you for joining me on this podcast today. You're welcome. Um, thank you for having me, Max. Yeah. As is Nat Turner Project tradition, our first question we love to ask people, with everything going on, it's been a hell of a year, some say 85 years in one. <laughs> How are you? Uh, well, you know, it depends on which day and which moment you ask me. Today I'm doing all right, because it's Sunday. It's my chill day. Um, been a lot of ups and downs, um, but you know, it's almost over. And I can only hope that as, we're ride, as we ride into 2021, we're moving towards something different and better than where we have been. How, is you, how are you doing? How are you coping? Um, I, like, <clears throat> I like your um, strategy of just answering for the moment. So um, in the moment, I'm doing well, um, things are good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comparatively or whatever, within parentheses. Okay. I mean, you've been out, out here flourishing, um, living your best life in some ways this year. Um, do you have any tips for survival in an apocalypse? Um, tips for survival? Um, know know people's weaknesses um have multiple stash spots um <laughs> books about local uh fauna could be potentially be helpful um yeah, yeah. what about you melanie what are some of your survival tips <laughs> you know keep yourself if you can um, if you are privileged to do so, keep yourself a good stock of ice cream on hand. This is important. Um, take time out to do nothing. Um, one thing that has annoyed me about this year is that um, there have been those who have been encouraging the rest of us uh, to keep going, to stay productive, to keep contributing to this machine that we call capitalism. Um, keep the cogs going. And to me, this seems counterproductive to actually being in the middle of an apocalypse, which I think should be the best opportunity to just do nothing. So whenever you can take those moments is important. Yeah, no, I think, I think all that is super great. Um, what do you do when you do nothing? Mm. When I do, do, when I do nothing. 
some of my best do nothing moments are in the morning. Um, and to me, the, like a part of that is just daydreaming and letting your mind wander. And of course, like there, like there are levels, right? There's that first level where you're kind of running through checklists in your head of like things you need to get done, things that you need to send people or tell people or like produce or whatever. But then when you let your mind meander more, you get down to like this, like the second level where you kind of like um, imagine ideas of, of things you would like to do or places you'd like to be or like what you would be eating and like just kind of giving yourself those moments of like, I don't know, softness to just relax. It's important, you know? What about you? What, what, what do you do when you're doing nothing? Um, when I'm doing nothing, for me, doing nothing is either, um, I can tell you, yeah, like maybe um, reading or watching something, doing nothing. Um, but when I'm also doing nothing, but maybe like in the more like way I would enjoy it the most, I feel like I'm just um, doing something weird and creative, um, but uh, like, but doesn't feel like it has to be some art thing. It feels like, you know, outside the realms of art, if it's, um, what do I do? Um, various fan fiction writing <laughs> or something, <laughs> stuff like that, or um, uh, imaginary cartography. I also engage in sometimes. So, you know, <laughs> just things that for creative things for pure pleasure that um, I don't worry about like being a part of like art. Yeah. Nice, nice. So today uh, we are going to go through our top 10 moments of 2020. Um, while we go through our list, I think it's important as the listener to note that Max's list um, in true rhizomatic fashion is in no particular order, whereas my list is in order of appearance. So we're gonna start at 10 and work our way to, the, to one but Max's is interchangeable, whereas mine is not. So keep that in mind. All right? Yeah. Speaker box in the love below. <laughs> Speaker box. <laughs> um, did we ever decide which of us was Speaker box and which of us was the love below? Um, I think you had, a, you had a decision in your mind and I think I had a different <laughs> decision in my mind. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we'll just keep those decisions to ourselves. <laughs> I know, I think you, you said you're um, big boy, I'm um, Andre, but then uh -huh. I said we're both big boy. Indeed. But I could also see how I would be perceived as an Andre. <laughs> I mean, I would say that Andre, well, three stacks as we now know him, is more the rhizomatic artist, right? Because he he's much more, um, interdisciplinary he's running around cities with a flute taking pictures of people like i feel like i could see you doing that yeah maybe in a non-covid non-covid time maybe yeah that'll be a on my post-covid bucket list okay wait like before we get into the list let's talk about <laughs> that what okay let's say vaccine comes out um you know they run through the priority list um, you managed to be vaccinated by fall of 2021, which I think is very optimistic. 
what's the first thing you're doing? Um, the first thing I'm doing, maybe I'm gonna go um, visit my parents. <laughs> I was gonna say like, go to some crazily large party that's super crowded, um, mm -hmm. maybe in a tight confined space. Mm -hmm. um, but that may be my second thing. So yeah, I think I'd go see my parents first. <laughs> okay, now I feel like I'm a horrible person if I don't say go visit my family. Well, so let's move on to the top ten. List. <laughs> okay, visiting my family is definitely in the top three. I feel like counts for something. And the other two. <laughs> I do want to go to a social gathering and see my friends, and like talk and hug each other like do you think it'll be there will be this like um you know this energy or momentum post-covid you know like um where when franco died in spain there became this like liberation of like culture and media and art sure. do you think there'll be there this crazy post-covid world where people are just spitting in strangers mouths or you Ooh. know like we just like be like oh now it's safe to like exchange moisture droplets again let's like go crazy you know that's a good question and i have kind of thought about that i think it could go either way it could be either that um whereas there, there's just kind of this explosion of like physical contact because people have been so deprived for like by then well over a year and people just kind of want to like feel alive and like to touch each other and hold each other and god knows what else each other like there could be that <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I also think it could maybe sway in the other direction where we're all so fucking traumatized, um, and, and so much in, in such need of therapy that we don't even know how to move back into that kind of physical space, like, because we've been so deprived of it for so long. So there's going to be like this period of like, there could be this period of awkwardness where we just don't know what to do or how to like embrace each other. I don't know. What do you think? I think it will be both. I think, um, I think we'll be doing the, the crazy orgies wall where being like, this doesn't feel, <laughs> I'm getting used to this again. Or um, I think it will be both. I think a lot of people um, that is their therapy or whatever. Let me work through some people to work through some stuff. I mean, honestly, I think we all will need some therapy. And since they're not giving us any fucking stimulus checks, maybe that's how they can pay us back, uh, the government, giving us free therapy. Because we're they all- pay us and give us free therapy. You know what? You're right. Cancel <laughs> our student debt. They should definitely fucking cancel student de debt. But I will say this about student debt forgiveness. I forgive myself. And that's all that matters. Yeah, <laughs> that's what a therapist would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you tell the tell the U.S. government that no, I forgave myself of that debt. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I forgave myself. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's all good. Um, hashtag they were never going to get that money. <laughs> I was honestly being like, I hope you know. I hope that was my plan. That was more my plan than paying it back. Was that surely at some point in the future, um, they'll remove all those numbers maybe like a heroic non will delete all their records. If they can bail out the banks, I feel like 
it can bail out some wayward college graduates. So. I saw an article that I didn't click on, so I'm definitely being one of those people. But um, it was about Jeff Bezos opening um, homeless shelters for his employees. What? <laughs> Jeff Bezos is opening homeless shelters for his employees. Maybe I'll type it in and see. Is that an Onion article? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. All right. So should we launch into our countdown? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So number 10, Max, you go first. Okay. Should we insert some like cool, exciting music maybe? Yeah. You got okay. some exciting music? Okay. I'm going to go from the top of my list to the bottom. So, I mean, Melanie, disregard how it goes, but audience will only know it as number 10. My number 10. Ooh, Tron music. Dun, 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 dun. Light bikes, light bikes, light bikes. Um, leap year. 2020 was a leap year for those of us that have forgotten February. There and was most a February of us 29th. have. <laughs> there was a February 29th this year. And um, even though I wasn't born on February 29th, I feel some sort of relation to it being born on February 28th. People, people often hear my birthday and think, oh, is that a leap year? Then I was like, no, that's February 29th. Or they'll hear my birthday and be like, oh, if you were born a little bit later, you would have been born on a leap year. Then I'll be like, no, I wasn't born on a leap year. I would have been born on March 1st. Oh. <laughs> so that's my relation to February 29th. I do think I, if I was born on February 29th, I definitely would feel more special. Um, number 10, that is my number 10 leap year. A good thing about 2020, we had maybe thinking about it, maybe it's bad that we had an extra day in 2020. <laughs> I'll say I'll say it's good that we had one more day of 2020. <laughs> you know, I wonder, like, looking at some of the things on my list, if I could say that for some of those things too. Like, yeah, it was good, but maybe part of it was bad. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So, my number ten: Prince Harry and Meghan Markle chuck the deuces and quit the royal family. And if you're thinking, didn't that happen like five years ago? Maybe, maybe it feels like it, but no, that did actually happen this year. Um, Prince Harry um, and Meghan Markle decided they were not with the shits um, and they ran off to Canada and said, we're not doing this shit anymore. We're done with monarchy. And to that, I say, you know what? Good for y'all. Um, Max and I were talking about this in the, pre-game uh, so extra episode that will air on our Patreon where Max said, asked me um, quite eloquently, does that mean that we forgive Prince Harry for the Nazi suit? And <laughs> my answer is no, we always keep that um, in the vault just in case some shit pops off so we can pull it out. But <laughs> um, good on them for recognizing that the monarchy is trash um, and that maybe not the most conducive thing for, you know, an interracial relationship or maybe any relationship at all. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Um, also pretty entertaining, cause you know, we all know about the Royal family um, and what they that are. That they're um, reptilians. Yes. <laughs> 
they're one of the 12 uh, reptilian bloodlines. The Windsors and the Bushes are two, but yeah. So. All right, um, Max. I hope what... that explains some stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Max, what is your number nine? Number nine for me is there's a YouTube link to um, a video of Italian mares very angrily yelling at their um, the people of their city to stay inside and quarantine. They're very frank. They're like, you're idiots. You know, if you know people are dying and they're out there and it's very funny. Um, and I, we could play a clip of it, but it's only in Italian. So you'd have to watch the subtitles unless you speak Italian. Okay. Um, but maybe we'll insert like a 10 second clip, yeah, a 30 second clip. It's two minutes, maybe we'll throw the whole thing in. Um, we're international, yeah. um, so yeah, that's my number. My number nine thing, good thing about 2020 is, um, all the angry Italian mayors that, um, were forcing their populations to stay inside. I wish we had that energy here. Like, why did you like that so much? Like, the, st the, the state or the government yelling at its people. To do with I think it. there's like yeah frankness that politicians don't have here on um, politicians and then there's like it didn't it didn't seem at all like about politics everybody was like yo like why are you being fucking dumb you're killing people stay the fucking side like what are you doing and there's like don't have your hairdresser come to the house you're gonna get COVID in your hair like that's still spreading COVID like just stay inside like don't do anything um you know like why are you guys being idiots like you're fucking everything up for the rest of us you know mm -hmm. so I was like that and I feel like this kind of like you know you when your mom tells you just like hits you with something or pulls your ear and just tries to knock some sense into you i think um we're lagging that from our politicians mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's real so there you go all right um my number nine um is something that touched me very deeply um in a very surprising way um it's the reconciliation of janet hubert aka the Blacktress, AKA the original Aunt Viv and Will Smith. Now, when I tuned into the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion, I was expecting your typical kind of like gathering and let's talk about the seasons um, and like the laughs. And what I did not expect was this very like sweet and touching um, sort of reminiscing about the camaraderie with the staff um, and how they kind of connected as this sort of makeshift family. This the really sweet tribute to James Avery, AKA Uncle Phil. And then in the middle of all this, this really sweet um, discussion between Will Smith and Janet Hubert, where she breaks down how hurt she was when her contract was um, renewed for an insulting amount. Um, and while she was dealing with what was implied to be a very toxic um, home life um, and why she wasn't interacting with the cast the way they would have wanted her to. And Will Smith kind of grappling with the power that he had at like 19, 20 years old um, and some of the rash decisions that he made 
that deeply affected her life. And to just sit, to, to watch him just sit there and kind of take um, this in and not try to talk over her and not try to justify it, but just to, to take accountability um, within himself, which was really, really touching. And it's something that I've rarely seen in anything tangibly um, connected to celebrity culture. So that was really cool. And then just to see like all the cast members all grown up, um, even little Nikki, it was just really sweet and really nice. So that was my top nine moment of 2020. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Cause yeah, I had always like heard that's not like always, but I had heard, always heard the story of like, you know, replacing on Viv. And then um, I feel like most of the stories I always heard were more like um, placing like the blame um, at her feet or like making it sound more like a diva and then being able to like hear her side. And then, yeah, like, you know, obviously like, yeah, Will Smith, like, you know, sat there and, um, you know, like listened and stuff like that. But yeah, it made, it made him seem like an asshole in a way that I feel like I'd never heard the story presented in that way before, which yeah. obviously, you know, speaks to like so many things like power. Mm -hmm. um, and, but it was cool to be able to hear her side of the story and to be like how she felt like she was like being misunderstood and like, um, oh yeah, like Will Smith being this young, you know, celebrity. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree with all that. And honestly, too, like I always forget, I don't like always forget, but yeah, I feel like every time they bring up like that James Avery has like already passed away, I was like, oh yeah, like I kind of forget because I was like, oh yeah, Uncle Fields, like, yeah, I'm not here anymore. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, Thanks. I heard that, yeah, they're doing like a more serious version of Fresh by the, uh, say by the, wait. <laughs> no, that's a different bit. <laughs> Isn't that true? A more serious version of Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I've seen a serious trailer, but yeah, I know. Like, there's like some. Um, let me see. I don't know. I don't know. It looked a look. It looked a little emo to me, so I wasn't sure if that was my my jam. That's not what we came to Fresh Prince for. Right. That's not what we signed up for. We came for the Fresh Prince. There we go. There you go. And I have discovered, um, shockingly, that I still know all the lyrics to the theme song word for word. I don't even yeah. know how that knowledge stayed. So, like... <laughs> As a rapper, you don't have to cuss, remember? <laughs> What is your number eight? Um, let's see, that's a good question. Um, my number eight is in in my searching to see what was um, positive about 2020, I found a website I didn't know about. Um, and that website is called Good Black News. And it's just a website of good news happening to black people. Now, how do they define good news? Just out of curiosity. Um, I don't know. I guess how we would define good and our um, sense of understanding as a society, like a promotion, a job. Um, they have the astronaut that's that went up in SpaceX. Um, I guess he's a black guy, so they have him on there. Okay. So they he recently went to the International Space Station. It was the first time that a oh. private shuttle took somebody from NASA to the International Space Station. Uh -huh. Old Elon Musk. Out of apartheid money. 
Send, oh. send a black man into space. Nice. <laughs> but there's a website just so, yeah, I guess. Does that consider it's kind of like news? this archive of good things. Yeah, but I guess it's too, it's like current too, so it will be like current good news. But I think you can find history and stuff on there too. It seems like there's a lot of um, information. I didn't look super check it out, but okay. Um, you seem suspicious. <laughs> I'm just like okay. My whole thing is, uh, um, full disclosure, I'm a little um, over the kind of like the narrative of black excellence and like this defining of like success as like getting all the money or getting credentials or like whatever like i feel like the definition of of what is good or what is like positive um or what is uh, emblematic of black joy should be expanded a little bit more but that's just me <laughs> so so that's why i asked like like how is um good being defined like is let's it see they have a they have a music monday celebrating the sounds of bobby Womack. oh okay. okay um what else do they have they're talking about the georgia uh georgia center race um oh okay. they have a ultimate soul christmas soundtrack playlist nice um i guess here's a black excellence that you uh decry so much noah harris 20 year old makes history by being elected First black student body president at Harvard College. Mm, okay. <laughs> American Medical Association declares racism a public health threat, a new policy. Oh, that is good news. That's very good news. Okay. All right. I'll take it back. Then. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All um, right. But that's my number eight. So do you feel like you're, you'll be going to that website like every day just to see if there's some new good black news? No, when we when we finish our interview and close our tab, I may never visit us. <laughs> see, that's why I like you, because you're honest, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm happy it exists. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll put a link to goodblacknews.org in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. Um, as well as a link to the YouTube video of the Italian mayors screaming at residents. <laughs> so, um, my number eight, and I think this is something that we can all be happy about, is the rise of Megan the Stallion. Um, as well as her call out of Tory Lanes, and I will address these things separately as they should be. So first of all, um, the ascension of Megan Thee Stallion this year has been kind of brilliant to watch. Um, she's been everywhere. She's been, we all know she's been running through the outside like a Tomb Raider. Um, a lot of us have been begging her to stay home, but <laughs> like, she has been doing all the things, making all the appearances. She just dropped an album. Um, she's been dropping singles throughout the entire pandemic. Uh, and her songs are just, her, her tracks are funny, um, clever, um, pleasant. Um, they just make you feel happy uh, because it's full of like, 
what's a way to describe it? They're just so ridiculously funny that you can't help but feel, um, I don't know, they just make me laugh. Um, and just seeing a, a young woman um, feeling confident, displaying confidence, displaying a, a level of empowerment, whether it's like in financial or sexual or just her entire way of being is about like honoring herself. It just makes me happy to see that. Um, and to see that in the package of a black woman um, makes me overjoyed. And to see said black woman becoming successful because of that is even more wonderful for me. So there's that. I'm gonna enjoy watching her success for that reason. Now, to address the call out of Tory Lanez, as we all know, this motherfucker shot her in the foot, um, apparently with a 22, as we later learned. Um, and people basically broke their own necks trying to justify his behavior, um, even though she graciously stayed quiet about it for quite some time. But it became so ridiculous that she had to get on Instagram and basically state that like, and say that he shot her, uh, which was really kind of sad and upsetting that like she needed to recount her trauma and her, her pain um, in order for people to believe her. And even then there was still pushback about what did she do to provoke it? Like, why would he just shoot her for no reason? Um, and that to me points a lot to this sort of, um, the, the way that black women are treated in media as this sort of, uh, there's a lack of tenderness um, and this kind of fetishization of the strength of the black woman of what she is able to withstand or, um, tolerate or it, there's a pathology to it that is disgusting and gross to me. And I see this play out whenever there are accusations of violence against a black woman. Um, whether it's a famous woman, whether it's um, you know, a private citizen, it usually plays out about the same. And to see uh, Megan kind of getting online um, and calling it out was both disgusting and annoying to me, but I was glad that she did it um, because she very plainly pointed to the problem of it and addressed it. And I think that for some, it's important to hear that and to see that. So yeah, that was my top eight moment. Yeah, hell yeah. I love Megan Thee Stallion. Megan Thee Stallion, he's in Texas. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I love all that stuff. Um, the energy, the bravado, um, hot girl Meg. Um, yeah, I'm super into it. Um, yeah, fuck Tory Lanez. Um, fuck all that dumb shit. Um, that's just like ridiculous. Yeah, like that's so ridiculous. Um, there's never any way that that would ever be re acceptable regardless of anything Megan did or might have done um, first off and like, all of it, yeah, it's still ridiculous that she's like even like fighting for like the simplest um, 
like respect or um like this idea that like the, yeah the suspicion this like um prove it um yeah that's ridiculous and disgusting and um yeah i think megan and stallion is like a a titan and is gonna like you know have this amazing career and just like literally is still starting and so it's insane yeah like what i just saw this article the other day with three number one streamings the first time ever oh wow um but then also it's like wild that, that like that's the world we live in now where streamings are the the measure of a thing. But yeah, making the stallion, fuck yeah, making the stallion all day. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what are we at? Seven? Yep. Okay. Um, my number seven is Oregon legalizes drugs. I don't know any of the specifics, um, so I don't know if it's happened already or if it will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a little something about a shroom rooms, or though you'll be able to do mushrooms, but like in- Yeah, that was measure 109, I believe. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, Oregon legalizes drugs if you didn't already have a reason to come here. Um, <laughs> now you're gonna come for the crack and the um, trees. Um, I guess meth's cheap, so um, we'll see if this changes drug prices or what this does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also saw a thing too that the Congress or U.S. Senate, yeah, U.S. Congress, um, or the House of Representatives, just voted to federally legalize marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe the whole United States is going to legalize weed too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's my number seven. Oregon legalizes drugs. I don't know what it'll mean. Um, potentially good things. Does that retroactively um, exonerate people? Thank you. Um, I doubt it. It better mean that. Yeah, I would love that. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll see what it means. I don't. I'm still. All right. The future. <laughs> it's always still wild to me because even though I've been in Portland for five years, I'm still getting over weed being legal. Like that's still odd to me that you can just walk into a shop uh and buy some weed or weed related products. And that's totally cool. It's what's wild now is being in a place where weed isn't legal. Yeah. It feels really weird and like, oh wow, this is like a weird thing where like I could be prosecuted for this thing again where like I can do it freely in another place. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we're both from the South. So like what happens when you go back home or like. Um, what happened the most last, I think the last time I was home was last year, um, 2019. And um, what do we do? Um, I had a friend that still lived there and we just like went to this old weed dealer that I used to buy weed from um, a long time ago and he was still selling weed. <laughs> um and um it was good weed um and then my friend um who i've known since undergrad but it's married now and it's like a square um <laughs> ended up being like no i can't i can't smoke any of this weed my wife will get mad so i ended up getting all the weed um but i didn't have anything to smoke it with and then i think one day obviously i also i'm staying at my parents house so then i think one day they're like gone to the store this is like what I would do in high school or whatever. And then I went outside and I think I smoked weed with um, tweezers and a straw. <laughs> um, 
but I wondered if the neighbors would smell weed and would like talk to my parents about it, but I haven't heard anything about it. <laughs> that's uh that's what it's like living uh, <laughs> living illegally. Indeed. Illegally with weed, I guess. Yeah. What's your uh, seven, Melanie? My number seven is the return of early 2000s black sitcoms via Netflix. So um, I think uh, mid 2020, um, due to a campaign by, I can't forget, I, I can't remember her name, but it was a black woman who's interning for Netflix um, who kind of pushed um, this, but Netflix released all of these early 2000s, like, or late 90s, early 2000s sitcoms, like Moesha, Girlfriends, The Game, Half and Half, One on One, The Parkers. Um, and like watching these sitcoms sort of brought me back to like my late teens, early 20s in this really interesting way. First, it was, it was really nice to remember a time where like you saw a range of black faces and black experiences um on the the small screen because i feel like that time has come and gone now we kind of see the same sort of faces um and the same kind of like um experiences unfortunately and i don't know when that happened exactly or why but it was different before and this kind of reminded me of that but then also it was interesting to watch all of these old sitcoms to sort of recognize and pay homage to how far we've come in terms of the way that we discuss certain things. Um, because in a lot of these sitcoms, like I've found like rampant homophobia, rampant transphobia, um, terrible like misogyny, misogynoir, like all kinds of terrible things. Um, and there was no mainstream language or um, conversation around it. It was just kind of accepted as is. And it's nice to know that that is no longer the case. Like these kinds of things would be called out now and they're, they're unacceptable. Um, yeah. But th that weird kind of juxtaposition of like how far we've come, but then what we've also lost. Yeah, it's not. I'm, I don't think these two things are related, but I don't know why, why we have so much homogeny in black representation now. And like, I don't know what caused that. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like going forward one way, going back another way. Yeah. Um, but that is interesting. I, yeah. I'm, I'm curious about like, uh, maybe there's some cultural critic that has pinpointed um, the modernization of black media. Yeah. Um, but hell yeah, yeah, I've, I've been, um, yeah, watching the shows on Netflix. Um, yeah, also Sister Sister. Mm. Oh, no, speaking of people that look the exact same, Tracy, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross. Oh gosh, yeah, she does look the same. Money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't hurt, sure doesn't yeah. <laughs> and I will say that the that the character she plays on Girlfriends, Joan, is awful. She is an awful, annoying person, and like I don't think I understood that. Um, 
with the original viewing, but now watching Joan as like a 41 year old, the, she is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> she's a ridiculous person. So that Girlfriends has been a really strange one for me because I remember it differently in my head. So yeah, um, that's that's a that's a thing about um, I guess revisiting nostalgia, right? Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Um, okay, number six. Number six. Um, See, this is what happens when you don't list them in order of importance, Max. Okay, Melanie, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I decided to be like, oh, I'm actually just going to do it live and figure out which one I want to do at the time. Okay. Um, but I didn't realize there would be all these things to consider. Um I don't want to be that person, but um, um, I don't want to be that person, but I had a teacher growing up that was like, I worked at a soup kitchen with Alice Trebek one day, and he was a total, total asshole. No! Um, really? Should I, should I have content warning this story? Like, yes, you should make- content warn that. No one wants to hear that shit, Max. That's what I'm saying. Like I've said quiet. I've seen all the tributes and I'm like, I have I've had this very different idea about it. And like I for me, like every time I watch Jeopardy, I like I love the show and I watch it all the time. Um I think it yeah, it comes on right before um, you know, all the soap operas, all the stories. Yeah. Um, or it used to, because I think it comes on in the evening now. Yeah. Um, but um he's always so smug and he's like, Oh, no, it was actually 1776. Mm, nobody got points for that one. And it was like, you only know because the answer is right in front of you. I mean, I love Jeffrey and I love Alex Rebecca. I'm just saying I, I see it more without a rose-colored glass. But I still appreciate the show and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, no, I'm, <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> Y'all can't see, but I'm making a face at Max right now. So, Do you know how much joy we got seeing this man roast white nerds on a regular basis? Do you understand that, Max? I guess I did. I I felt I was always rooting more for the the white nerds. (laughs) (laughs) He was just so smug. He acted like he was the smartest man in the world but he just had the answers on a card in front of him. You seem very stuck on this point. So. So I, like, I just, I grew up watching that show and be like, God, this guy is such a smug little asshole sometimes. Cause he was like, mm. or like, you know, like really no one knew that we were actually looking for. But he's like, you don't know. It's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, Alex. <laughs> I feel like Kanye now, but like, you don't know Sway. <laughs> 
I feel like anytime you get to a point where you feel like Kanye, it's time to stop. General rule of thumb. Just saying. I saw some pictures recently that were like, um, maybe it was a meme, but it was talking back to like, I don't know if it was about um, what it was about specifically, but it's pictures of Kanye at, what was it, the MTV Awards in, 20, uh, in 2009. And um, he's like on the red carpet, just like chugging a bottle of Hennessy. Oh and yeah. You're like oh yeah, you can see. Rose. Then you're like, yeah, with Amber Rose, and then you start seeing like, oh yeah, like I guess that makes sense. <laughs> he's just <laughs> chugging a bottle of Hennessy beforehand. I remember that. I remember. The, I remember seeing those pictures before what he did, and I was like, oh, this is not going to end well. <laughs> but Amber looked fire in that onesie. So. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, have you just have you figured out what your number six is yet? Okay, my number six <laughs> is um I'm gonna do I think it's cool. My number six is increased. Um I feel like COVID 2020 has led to increased options. And um, people for um, different types of accessibility, um, for meetings, for events, um, for engaging in the world. Um, yeah, so I think that's been a cool thing about 2020 mm -hmm. um, is that I think we've been able to uh, expand ways of um, conceiving of events and stuff in a way that makes more people participate or allows more people to potentially participate. Yeah. Do you think that um, as we continue to live this way that the accessibility will get even better? Or do you think we've kind of hit the peak on that? No, I think it'll, I think it'll continue to get better. I'm curious about like, cause I feel like, you know, we, when something happens, like the moment something happens, like people are already starting like problem solve um, ways around it. So like, I feel like there's things that are like being worked on right now that we don't even know about that'll come out and be like, oh yeah, we. We now we have this thing that can do this, or now we've strategized this way to do this. You know, like there's potentially things that are like being worked on right now that'll, um, you know, could make things even easier. Um, yeah. And then, um, what else? Um, yeah, I think now that we know that these extended options exist, hopefully, um, if we do return to some. Um, in world stuff, these will still be um, viable parts of the world or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good one. It's related to one of my later ones too. Um, so we'll probably come back to that. Um, my number six, and it's something I've talked about quite a bit here. Um, it's one of those ones where it's a good thing that happened, but it was very much based on a terrible thing that's been happening. Um, but it's the white guilt boon in the summer of 2020. So when, because people were forced to stay in the house, um, I think they had a lot more time to kind of watch and see the things that were happening. Um, and when it became sadly very apparent that police brutality does not even stop for a global pandemic, there was this like scramble of institutions and organizations trying to stand in solidarity um, 
while being called out for the lack of black staff and employees. Uh, there was this huge excessive patronage of black art, of, of black writing, of black um, thought, um, where white people were trying to sort of um, appease their own guilt um, by this sort of empty, um, unapplied patronage of, uh, of Black thought. Um, and what resulted was like a series of like Black authors on the New York Times lists or like um, Black artists um, getting uh, much more national um, recognition for works that they had been doing. Um, and even we, I think, me and you personally benefited from this. Like my Etsy page, which is admittedly low, like low hanging fruit for the most part, um, increased by like something like ridiculous, like 400% during that time. Like basically sales from my Etsy page from that period paid for um, all of my moving expenses. So like, that was cool. Um, the only problem with that is it was short-lived and it became wildly apparent that people, all these books and all this art that people had bought, apparently they had not been reading them because <laughs> we just went back to business as usual about three months later. Um, I just wish folks had kept that same energy. Um, would have been nice. But for a time, it felt like it was possible that people were actually listening. And by people, I mean white people. Um, we're actually listening. We're actually seeing the problems that were in front of us. We're actually taking, or no, trying to take accountability for the part that they played in that. But then they got bored and then it was over. But for those brief shining two minutes, it was something to see. It was like a portal to what was possible. Um, but yeah. That was my number six. Yeah, for those like two months, you could be so um, direct with white people. Yeah. Um, you could flip off your boss. You could, um, you know, <laughs> whatever else. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a bummer that that didn't um, keep going. Um, obviously, like percentage-wise, white people are doing well during <laughs> quarantine and COVID, um, you know, they're, they're just saving money. Um, yeah, so shame on y'all, shame on y'all. <laughs> hey, shame works. So let's use yeah. it more. <laughs> All right, what's your number five? My number five I'm gonna do is um, I'm not gonna have a number five. <laughs> what? Because you I had a, not have a number five? I had, a, I had a top nine because I couldn't come up with a, and I think that's when I realized, I was like, oh, this is why I'm having issues because I only have nine, <laughs> nine see, entries. <laughs> see, this is the problem when you don't follow rules, man. 
I thought I was, you know, again, the um, three stacks analogy, I thought I was redefining what a song could be. Oh, indeed. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, maybe I like, see, this is the kind of bullshit that I would try as a student, but now that I'm a teacher, I like, it's <laughs> like, maybe I could convince that nine is 10 and that a nine, a nine list is a 10 list. Indeed. The list is a 10th. Right, I would have tried to sell that as a student and as a teacher. I'm so I annoyed. Remember, I remember you as a student, Max. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was right there next to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes you made some points, though. So, I even, think this, uh, what do they say? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> I think in this case, you just couldn't think of a tenth good thing. <laughs> I've started to just like list things that I was like, I don't know if this is like my top 10. This is something that I found that was on somebody else's top 10. Yeah. I have nine because I was going to put my 10th was going to be teaching. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, maybe that's like more because like shout out teachers, everybody teaching during Zoom. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen, it seems like the teachers teaching like high school yeah. have the hardest time because like all their students know Zoom so much better and they're just constantly um pranking them and trolling them and like messing with them and like <laughs> locking teachers out of the rooms like on zoom and like all this stuff or like pulling pranks like all the kids will like log off at the same time or change their names or turn off their screens or whatever like you know but uh, i guess that's to be expected of you know kids that's how you you know everybody has a way of engaging with new technology so of course the youth is going to be like See, I sound like an old person. Of course, the youth is going to be like, <laughs> I feel like this is like out ways to play with their teacher. The poor <laughs> teachers are having such a rough time. Um, it's been rough, yeah. With the, the Zoom. And, um, but yeah, then I thought, like, well, also, like, nurses and whatever else, frontline workers, doctors, um, mm-hmm. essential workers, um, all those people. Mm-hmm. So that, I thought about that being my number five, but that doesn't seem like a, a 10 good thing, but okay. good that that exists. That's, um, you know, like the inverted triangle thing should be the opposite way around or whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. You've mentioned this whole teacher being locked out thing like three or four times. I feel like this is like your nightmare. <laughs> so. No, I'm just, I'm just, so, I, I'm just so fascinated by um, what's in vogue among, um, and like, what, what is life like for a kid nowadays? Yeah. And it just seemed like, cause I get it. Like, I feel like I'm at, like, you know, you and me, I feel like we're at an advantage. Like we're already doing, I don't know if we were doing Zoom at all, but I feel like um, it didn't feel like we were out of this like technology curve. Right. Some of these teachers, like, you know, the, again, these like high school teachers that I'm like watching on, I guess, TikTok or whatever. <laughs> um they seem like they had like they're still so like technology rough that um they're just having such like a hard time with zoom and then these kids are just like running laps around them so i feel like with me i have an understanding of zoom to where like my kids aren't gonna um pull one over on me and if anything some of my kids seem like they know zoom less than i do um but yeah they haven't they haven't messed with me yet okay um, it's because i have freshmen and they're all sweethearts oh when I, when I talked to your class the other day, they were so intimidating. They had like mustaches and deep voices. 
<laughs> and they look like they rode motorcycles and stuff. I was like, oh god, these kids are too old. <laughs> They're intimidating. Like I, I, I miss my eighteen-year-old <laughs> fresh face angels. <laughs> oh. All right, so you have declined number five. No, that was my number five. Everything. I oh, so said. that is your number five. Okay. Teaching, essential workers, teachers, nurses. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Lyft drivers. Um, yeah. All the people, people working in the factories and fields. Medical um, workers. Medical workers. Um, what's the other thing? Postmates, mm, Ubers, yeah. um, all the people, all the people working in the White House after the deal with Donald Trump. Um, and his mass services. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's a good one. That's solid. Okay. Unity. All right. So number five for me. No rush hour, less microaggressions, more reading, better eating, and an overall better quality of life, especially for me as an introvert. Um, <laughs> not having to get up at a ridiculous hour and put on respectable clothes and get in my car powered by gas to drive across town, um, to stand in a classroom or sit in an office all day not gonna lie don't don't hate it i don't hate not having to do those things um not having to deal with microaggressions on this hyper regular basis that's been great having um more time to cook for myself um and to read things that are not necessarily related to my professional life um it's been pretty amazing i don't take this time for granted um it's been a really nice opportunity for me to um restructure the way that i live my life because i don't think that i had that before um i was basically just kind of living to work rather than the other way around and having to restructure it in this way that's more conducive to um, establishing a healthy home life has been pretty nice. Um, a healthy emotional and psychological well-being has been great. That's been cool. Unexpected benefit of this whole thing. So. Oh yeah! Cheers to that, Melanie. Thanks. Cheers to you living well. Thanks. <clears throat> um, when you first started talking. I thought um, I had a, like I obviously knew you meant regular rush hour, but I have a moment. But I thought you were talking about uh, the movies. Um, but I remember a conversation I was having the other day where I was talking about like, oh my god, there's going to be a fourth rush hour, and you know, time travels in vogue, so you know they're going to time travel, and then it's going to be a crossover with the Shanghai Noon movies. So it's going to be two Jackie Chan's, a Chris Tucker, and uh, an Owen Wilson. So Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan are like either going to go back in time <laughs> or uh, I guess they would have to maybe because like technology would exist now. But yeah, Rush Hour 4 is Shanghai. Noon 3 is Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker, Owen Wilson. Boom, you're a Hollywood producer now. Boom, streaming on HBO Max 2021. <laughs> no, streaming on HBO Max December 25th because apparently they're unleashing the whole 2021 slate on that date. 
Have you heard about that? I heard they're releasing. I didn't know it was on the Christmas. Yes. Oh my God, it's going to be a white Christmas after all. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. So like Wonder Woman. Um, Matrix 4? That's already ready. I didn't even How is that even a movie? I didn't I know there was the a Matrix robots. 4. Yeah, like, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I think Keanu Reeves was busy with other shit. He was doing Bill and Ted, right? Yeah, doing romantic comedies with Ali Wong. Um, Dune, also. That's going to come out on Christmas Day? Yep. All Damn. of them coming out on Christmas Day. Damn. Never mind, I'm going to watch Mulan. That's out on Disney now. Okay. I haven't seen that. You have wow. Disney, right? You have Disney Plus? No. You don't have Disney Plus? That's shocking to me. Why? Because you like all that shit. Like, you like Mandalorian and Star Wars and yeah, stuff. Right. Disney's one of the evil corporations. It's part of the cobble of evil, um, right? Disney, Amazon. Oh, my God. I should have put this on my list. This is one of the things, the first thing I was going to do. I think I just forgot to do it. Um, Ricky Gervais's 2020 Golden Globes. I love um, when he goes on the Golden Globes because he just shits on every celebrity. He's like, you guys are going to come up here and give a 20-minute speech about how you're saving the world, but all of you are working with um, like the, these evil companies, Amazon, um, Disney. You know, he's like, if uh, ISIS came out with a streaming service, you would be calling your agents. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it's true, though. But then they still go up there and be like, you know, we can change the world, you know, like us here. <laughs> movies, movies are changing the world. But, um, yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So what's your no- Oh my god, one of the Italian clips, they like they're like, I saw a guy jogging with his dog and he's like, You are not Will Smith. This is not I am legend. Like stay in your house, you know. Um, okay, so our number four is the same. Um, and I like that. So you will go first in presenting the number four, and then I'll talk about my side of it. My number four is versus. I misspelled it, and I almost <laughs> thought it. I was going to say Vuvuzelas, but um, <laughs> wrong, wrong time, wrong year in review. Um, my number four is versus battles. Um, I had always heard about them, and I thought they were cool in theory. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, I only checked out a few minutes of a couple different ones. That was uh, Patti LaBelle and um, Gladys Knight. Mm-hmm. I checked out um, some some parts of that. I was like going in and out. Mm-hmm. And um, the same for um, Jeezy and um, Gucci. Um, yeah, I thought they were cool. I mean, they felt, you know, um, I felt this more with the with the Jeezy and Gucci. It felt like a little weird to see them, you know, they're just like standing there with their like fur coats. Um, <laughs> but I guess like I guess like what else are you what else can you do? Um but um what else? Um oh I always like this is this is just like a random aside. Um growing up in my um my grandmother's basement, there was this big poster of uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips back from like when they're like super young in the 50s or whatever yeah and my grandma was like the youngest of uh five kids and all of them were like boys 
Um, so I was like, oh, you know, as a little kid, I was like, oh, Granny, is that you and your brothers? Um, <laughs> and like, this is like when I was a little kid before I remember anything, but my parents and like my grandma would always like love to re-bring that up. I was like, oh, you thought that was <laughs> you and my brothers. So yeah. Um, that's my number four versus, uh, I love it in theory. Uh, I'm sure, um, I'm sure the videos exist and I can check out the other ones. I'm, yeah, I'm really interested in the Erica Badu, um, and, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, Erica Badu, Jill Scott. I would definitely want to check that one out. Oh, which other one? Yeah, maybe the Swiss Beats ones I would check out too. Mm. Also, yeah, the Teddy Riley, I would check it out. I mm. honestly, I would, in theory, I would check them all out, but. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see. (laughs) Well, my number four was also the verses. um, And I have seen quite a few of them. I was kind of um, drawn in from the beginning. Well, not the very beginning, because I think the very beginning was actually Timbaland and Swiss Beats. And oh, I don't care about that. Um, And (laughs) some of the more, I don't know, I wasn't as into the earlier ones, but the first one I saw was the Teddy Riley versus Babyface part one. And from there, it w- I was hooked because like, it was an experience. That was back when everyone was still taking the pandemic seriously, everyone in, in America. So people were like legitimately kind of stuck in the house and like logging on to IG to watch it. And then simultaneously pulling up like Twitter and watching people discuss it was an experience within itself because the part one of the Teddy Riley versus Babyface was a whole ass train wreck in in watching old people try to navigate technology. It was fucking hilarious. It was epic. It was amazing. And just seeing people host uh, roast the fuck out of Teddy Riley was amazing. <laughs> and him being oblivious, like. He like ran out of charge on his phone and was like standing there like, and he was trying to run different audio inputs while being hooked into IG. It was a disaster. Like they had to like, and Babyface was just sitting there just looking annoyed, but trying (laughs) to be polite the whole time. (laughs) And they had to cancel it and then reschedule because it was like, I think it was like one and a half, two hours of Teddy Riley trying to negotiate the technology. It was amazing. And Black Twitter just being Black Twitter. Um, (laughs) So from there, I was hooked. But like watching Erica Badu and Jill Scott was just this beautiful experience and of like remembering all of their great songs. Um, T-Pain versus Lil Jon was really fun. Uh, So was Nelly versus Ludacris. and then like the Shakespearean levels of like shade and annoyance with the Brandy versus Monica and also like the parts of the Jeezy versus Gucci that I watched, like just like the, the tension was hilarious. And then like watching people comment on that tension was really great. The Patti LaBelle versus Gladys Knight was just epic um, because they're, um both like in their 80s and their voices sound still like amazing and I think it's a testament to like um the maintenance of like your 
artistic tools or whatever, like your voice, in this case, your voice. And like, it makes me wonder about how artists that we look at now will sound in the future. Like, is that same sort of maintenance attached to current musical practices? So I thought that was interesting too. But like, I think the versus battles um, at any, like the audience keeps going up and up and up. Um, and I think they're like in the millions of viewers at this point. So I think it's an interesting archive of like a certain demographic um, and by certain, I mean black people um, and what their cultural reference points are, which is why I enjoy it. So yeah, I think verse is pretty great. Yeah, I love verses. I also love like the conversations around it. Like all the potential verses or like people trying to like have verses with other people. And then um, that, like, I feel like somebody else was like saying this on some um, podcast or some show I was listening to, but yeah, then like that shows that um, how, how certain artists see themselves, like be like by who they're trying to call out or who they're trying to um, be in the same space with. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's so fascinating. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the fucking culture and I, yeah, I fucking love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right we're down to the top three what is your number three um i'm gonna put my number three is um wop coming out um one of you Stallion hits 2020. Um, yeah, I think amazing and amazing. And, song. and pardon me, what does WAP stand for? WAP stands for wet ass pussy. Okay. Right. <laughs> if you're gonna say the title, you gotta say the title. My yeah, I I mean yeah, there that's a title. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love everything about it. The song. Um, my only, if I had to have a small like footnote asterisk, is I still don't understand why um, Kylie Jenner is in that video at all. <laughs> What the, <laughs> my, I was like, why is she? Why is she here? But oh yeah, am I just jaded in thinking that was clearly a calculated like consumer demographic move? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think you're jaded. I mean, I think you're jaded, but I think you're still <laughs> correct. Okay. So yeah, I think it's still what it is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean. Honestly, I feel like it, it makes, it gives Kylie more clout than it gives like Cardi or Megan. Like, you know, it makes True. Kylie look cooler than it makes either of them look cooler. Um, but I could <laughs> see, yeah, like how maybe like by having Kylie in it for a few seconds, um, there's a whole nother audience I'd be into it. But honestly, yeah, like I too, like with all the, the like with TikTok and all the challenges, I feel like um, it still would have had a full audience without um Kylie Jenner needing to be a part of it I mean yeah I mean everyone I know who watched that video 
was like, why the fuck is she here when she came yeah. on the screen? Yeah, like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Just genuine confusion. <laughs> yeah. So what do you like about the about walk? Um, yeah, I thought it was a big song for the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a somebody that also draws attachment through music videos and I love a music video. Um, I think it's like super visual, um, really like rich. Um, I love the over the top. I love all the colors, the patterns. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love all that. I love the extravagance of it. Because um, I feel like that's like my favorite thing. When I listen to music, I like to listen to music like on YouTube. I like to watch music videos. Um, I don't like exclude, like obviously I'll listen to music without the visuals, but I love to like watch music videos. And a lot of times I like, will develop an attachment to a song also because of the music video. Like maybe I wouldn't have liked the song, but then I saw the music video and I was like, oh, this is like tight or something. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Maybe I think that's maybe worked the opposite way too. Maybe there's been a time where I loved a song that's all music video. But I don't know. I can't think of any specific examples. But yeah. I, I think that the Childish Gambino song, This Is America, I could have potentially liked that song, but the minute I saw the video, I hated the song. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm so mad at people who like that video. I'm, I have not forgotten. Okay, so, but yeah, WAP was cool. There's a part of me that's really sad that we didn't get a chance to blast that song from our cars rolling down the street two miles an hour so everyone can see us. But unfortunately, that's the way things are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's my number three. What is your number three? My number three is um, watching the abolish slash defund the police hit the national conversation docket fucking finally. It only took what 50, 11 years to get here, but we're currently um, plausibly talking about viable ways to do this. Now, I think it's worth noting that the conversation started as abolish the police, but then it got co-opted and changed to defund the police. And I do have problems with that. But the fact that we're discussing it at all, I'm gonna go ahead and take that as a win. And it's being discussed to a point that Barack Obama feels the need to address it randomly, which I see you shaking your head, Max. I too have similar feelings about that. Um, But but we're finally talking about the viability of at least descaling the police um, and like the involvement of the state and the carceral system which is good. I would like to know how we can get back to the abolishment conversation. That would be nice, but maybe that's asking too much of a collective as large as America. But I'm glad we are finally talking about it. I'm glad people are coming, are coming up with strategies and actually doing the work to disseminate information about their strategies. Um, okay, they were doing the work before, but I think that, um, because it has hit the national conversation docket, um, there have become more like pathways and um, methods of getting that information out and putting spotlights on those people who have been doing the work. And I think that's important too. Like in order to reach a critical mass, enough people have to know about it. And I think that that has been 
um, a stumbling block in the, in the past. So that's my number three. Yeah, I mean, I, th I heard um, a lot of like cities are going back on their um, initial like pledges to um, like cut police budgets. Really? The cities have been like, oh, actually, we're not, <laughs> we're not slashing the budget 50%. Sure. Um, so it seems like now that the heat is off, um, you know, it seems like a lot of places are like, oh, well, we're not being pressured to do it anymore. Um, yeah, it's gone back. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, yeah, if it's like still something that has to start like on a smaller like cities before like a national um, thing, but like, I feel like the police are so instrumental to like the American state that like, um, you know, would there have to be a bigger shift than just like us removing that one Jenga block or would there have to be um, like other things that change or if we could just like completely remove that one aspect and everything else stays the same. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm totally obviously like for police not existing. Um, I feel like it's being incredibly kind to compare them to Jenga. Because <laughs> I don't feel like the, I don't feel like the entire world, the entire country collapses if we get rid of the police. No, I don't think like it collapsed. I'm just like wondering if like, does everything else stay the same or like, does that like have like other effects? Like it's impossible for everything else to stay the same if we completely removed the police. Oh, I see. Yeah. Hmm. Well, hmm. that's a very complicated answer. So yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll save that for another day. <laughs> we, should, we should get someone on who can talk about abolition. I'd be interested in that. Yeah, yeah, same here. What's your number two? <clears throat> okay, so we're on top two. Top okay. Two. Um, hold on, I'm trying to cross out my... Um, so my top two, one of my favorite things about 2020 is um, Pop Smoke's um only album um i don't i don't i like i love i listen to the album all the time but i don't even know what it's called shoot for the stars or something mm -hmm. um, right now r.i.p oh shoot for the stars aim for the moon the pop smoke posthumously released album um came out in 2020 um obviously there's the the controversy with virgil abloh's um initial uh record design um but that I mean, was, like, we're really keeping good. it to virgils <laughs> yeah um but i i love the album um it's a, it's like a, like yeah, i normally like um um i don't know like i don't say i normally like stuff with more energy but um this is like a really slow chill stuff it's like um like gangsta r&b um, some people say like Pop Smoke is kind of like 50 Cent, but I think like Pop Smoke is like even more um, sultry mm. um, than 50 Cent ever was, could be. Um, yeah, R.I.P. Pop Smoke. Um, but yeah, this is an amazing album. Um, all the songs are, are really good. A lot of filthy, obviously all the, the trappings of new rap album, new um, male rap album. Mm. Um, yeah, Pop Smoke. What is it called? Uh, I just forgot. Shoot for the moon, aim for the stars, aim for the stars. Shoot for the stars, aim for the moon. Um, 
yeah it's definitely like a nasty ass album um and um you know pot smoke and with my government um all that gangster shit you know you'd be loving it um yeah so that's my number two for 2020 um i've definitely been i feel like that's like it's one of those albums that's like the full album is good um pop smoke yeah um yeah, Pop Smoke. I don't really know much about Pop Smoke's music, um, but I did hear about his passing, yeah, which was very sad. So I anticipate uh, listening to more of his music in the near future. So yeah, it's wild to think about like how times change. Going from like um, what is it? Um, uh, what's the fucking movie? Um. Oh, yeah, going from like men's to the society where like slipping is considered like not being on guard and like being carjacked like right there and then, but like now slipping is like being like reckless on Instagram and like being too easy with like where your location is or like showing that you have money. Like people are always watching you. Like, oh, we just saw this rapper posted like they had $10,000 in cash and they're like, you know, 10 blocks away from us or something like that. Like, um, it's wild to think about like how people use like the internet for that kind of stuff or like Instagram, social media for that stuff now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And it also makes me think about like the generational differences um, in the way that people use Instagrams. Cause I think a large part of my social media use is based on me being generation X. And like, I have this like kind of hardcore, um, uh like idea of not interjecting too much of my own personal information on social media like i don't want people to know too much about where i actually live or what that looks like or how much money i make like there's a distinct sort of like hard line on how much i reveal nothing about my personal life um but i see that younger people are a little bit more um forthcoming and open about their lives in a way that i could never be and that's interesting to me. Um, and I don't think it's like tied to political ideology because I think younger people are even more skeptical of, um, of like, you know, what information is being shared or stored. Like, I think they're even more aware than say my generation. So I don't, I don't know what fuels that exactly, so. I think like I could see it because like I feel like you know when you're younger you're probably like a lot less cautious so I feel like um if we were the same age we would probably be like sharing a lot more That's true. um I think now yeah like I'm like oh yeah I'm not gonna share that or like that why would you know you know make sure yeah you don't like share your like location or these like other details but I think they're like for kids they're like oh yeah they're still um maybe they don't feel the the repercussions of it and I'm sure yeah they're existing yeah. all their friends are doing the same stuff kind of stuff yeah um no, you're absolutely right because i was wilding out on black planet so i don't even know why i'm bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah like i don't know um they definitely yeah it seems so much more have so much more information readily available for them but i guess too like i think the same echo chambers can exist for like kids that can exist for us um i definitely like yeah when i'm you know scrolling tiktok can be like you know because like you know you can like stitch or like duet people 
and then um so somebody can be like oh here's like the reasons why donald trump isn't racist and then somebody will stitch it and be like no here's all the reasons donald trump is racist but then you can then i'll see people too being like oh i just got like um called out or like you know made to be look like an idiot by people i need conservative tiktok to get me or something you know like where they like know that there's still this like um in like this group that'll support them this like so there's still it still seems like very like you can still find your bubbles um everywhere on any like social media any platform really you find your yeah you can you can find your echo chamber that's true i guess maybe too because like there's so much there's so much information there's so much media it has to be tailored but of course like um it's like it's not us making these um tailorings this um these um platforms with their algorithms deciding what we see and what we don't see mm-hmm. all right so that was your number two um my number two is related to one of yours lowered on the list the increased accessibility so but my number two is more about uh, american capitalism showing its entire ass about what it is and isn't capable of because like for decades upon decades people have been screaming about allowing for more workplace accessibility allowing for more like financial um sort of reparative measures um to close wage gaps and inequities and have been told countless times that it can't be done there's no way to implement this it's not possible but the minute the minute that american capitalism is in grave danger they somehow find the way to disseminate stimulus checks and to figure out how to make sure people can work from home like this happened within it the shift was almost like within days it felt like all of a sudden people figured out how to use Zoom, like Zoom just became available in the workplace overnight. Um, And they figured out a way to do this. Stimulus checks, like they figured out a way to give out stimulus checks to people, even though this has never been like deemed a possibility in the past. Um, And by no means is it it enough, but that's another conversation. But it's just interesting interesting to me to see um, how all these things um, that we were told weren't possible suddenly became suddenly become possible in the face of absolute um, chaos um, and the loss of um, American productivity and uh, workplace. So um, there's been kind of a tragic but funny um, note to that, and it'll be interesting to see as more of these institutions. Um, and structures um, become uh, more under duress or face possible extinction, how this country will be forced to change in some ways. Like I'm looking at the um, American film industry and what's happening there. Like that we're in serious like um, danger of losing the American theater system. And it'll be interesting to see the ways that Hollywood tries to shift this in order to make it accessible accessible for people because the current model they're trying to, to sell us of 
having people stream movies in their home for $30 a pop, that shit isn't gonna fly. No one's paying $30 for that. Um, and then also this thing of dropping an entire slate on some of these cable add-ons, I don't think that's sustainable. So we'll see what happens, but like watching America adjust to these inevitabilities has been really interesting to me, so. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think like about the idea that like um, America was so quick to uh, adjust is because like all these senators and people in power knew about like um, COVID for months before, right? Like their stocks were already like invested in Zoom. They're like, oh yeah, let's, you know, like let's go to Zoom. Let's use Zoom. <laughs> um, so yeah, again, um, just like um, the people in power knowing all the things and always winning, right? They're just always winning. Too big to fail. Yeah, but then also to um, your number two made me um, think about this point. If like, um, you know, this is a second time in our recent memory that the US government has had to like bail out the US economy in these like big ways. Mm-hmm. But you can see it too as these like, yeah, these two near death moments of like capitalism, mm-hmm. um, like how, you know, potentially like a growing frequency, like this could, there could be something in five years that causes um, another massive bailout or something like that. Like how many times um, are we gonna take, like how many times are we gonna save this dying thing before we um, realize like, oh, this, this is dying. Like there's a reason this is dying. Um, there's a reason that, you know, we're in the 21st century robber barons of a fucking trillionaire Jeff Bezos. Um, you know, there's a like, I just like how long before people, the average person sees um, capitalism as, you know, like archaic or Byzantine or, um, yep. you know, obsolete. We're down to the number ones. Okay, my number one, potentially controversial, is um, the Pentagon formally releases three videos of unidentified aerial phenomena encountered by U.S. Navy pilots. So this is my, obviously, I'm not like a huge UFO head, but um, this is my, to my knowledge, the first time that the U.S. government, U.S. military has ever um, confirmed any UFO footage sighting um they they all they said is that we confirmed that this footage is real they've never they didn't make any additional comments so they didn't say any additional information they may have or what they may think this is but um there are videos you can see them on youtube um they've they've been around they're like videos that are like some of them are from 2017 some of them are like from 2015 but um this is the first time that they've confirmed that these videos are real um and you can watch them and they're like US Navy pilots like flying. Um, we'll link them, we'll link them too. And then there's these like silver orbs that um, just like hover and like hang out. And then like, boom, boom, they're like, they're like spinning just like this. And then they'll just like fly away. And it's like this insane stuff. So we don't know what it is. Every, obviously like, you know, the tale is old as time. Every answer just only leads to more questions. 
Um, so we don't know. You know, my my favorite theory is that um, what we perceive as aliens are actually just like the worst type of um, human, the tourists. Um, these are time traveling human tourists that are just coming to see the world in the 21st century being like, oh, you gotta go check out that time. And these are like readily available, easily accessible time traveling tourism devices that people in the future are going into. So we think these are like alien messengers um, harbingers of new civilizations. These are just tourists that are just being like, "Oh, you want to type? You want to see a time in the in the in the world history? And this is their time travel device." And because um, because obviously, like, I'm not gonna I'm gonna sound like a like a fucking going off the deep end right now. But from the 19, <laughs> but from the 1947 um, Roswell crash till now, we've been reverse engineering engin- what we considered alien technology. But what if like it's like that 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 um self-fulfilling prophecy that closed time loop of um we're not researching alien technology this is just advanced human technology from the future and how we get there is by reverse engineering it because like they're already studying like how do these crafts moves and they're already starting to build crafts that move the way ufos and flying saucers move but where do they get this technology from observing from studying from reporting but it's not aliens it's future humans I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, but <laughs> that's a so, rather that's rather bleak, though, because I feel like that if that were to be true, that's like the implication of the worst case scenario in which manifest destiny has like um, followed through to the ultimate conclusion and resulted in like this expansion, this really really gross kind of expansion of Western ideology of like property ownership and like yeah that's gross i hope that (laughs) i don't think i don't think the future is glamorous or um romantic i think all of our all the worst traits of humanity um uh, progress onwards and i think um what we consider as these profound profound moments throughout time and history maybe you know people have been popping up throughout time all the time um every time there's like a merry sighting maybe it's like a just a human tourist literally uh like a uh, what are they, a fanny pack wearing human tourists standing in the crosswalk, taking pictures, um, you know, that's like the obnoxious tourist is what we think aliens are, is the obnoxious future human tourists. They don't care that they're fucking up our history. That literally like realigning our lives. They're like, oh, whatever, we'll pop up here. And like, oh, wow, look at those antiques. They see our like F-18s or F-35 fighter jets. And like, look at those antiques. Um, this is well worth it, you know, like, this is their cruise, is the, this is their Royal Caribbean, is going back in time and looking at us primitive humans. <laughs> That's my number one moment, is a confirmation of um, unidentified air, aerial objects, <laughs> aerial phenomena. We don't know what it is, but we know. <laughs> We've always known. All right, my number one moment is more naps and moments (laughs) of rest in 2020. Shout out to the nap ministry. So there has been, um, because of this wild shift in ways of working, ways of um, being and productivity, workplace productivity, 
there has been this inclination um, by certain um, demographics of the workplace to keep going, to produce more, to, to do even more. Um, in the face of all of this, um, to which a not so small part of me says, fuck that shit, we're in the middle of apocalypse, maybe this is the time to slow down, take it all in, figure out where you're at, and take more naps. And I, as someone who came directly off of like um, a, a relapse in a, in a pretty serious chronic illness at the end of 2019 and dovetailed in like back into the workplace and back into the middle of all this, there's been a part of me that has had to like say no and turn things down and say, no, I'm not doing this extra work for you right now because I'm fucking going through it and I want to acknowledge that. Um, and I feel like a lot of people I know are, are trying to do that or starting to do that in the places where, where they can. And I think this is important. Um, and for 2020, like a large part of what this year has taught me is like how to take back those moments um, and empower myself to, you know, make healthier decisions around productivity, around my labor. Because there is a way that black women are treated in the workplace um, as like mules, as workhorses, like people feel that we're impervious and therefore like we can do all of the things. And when you are marked as someone who is capable of doing these things, you are easily taken advantage of. So yeah, I wanna shout out 2020 for giving me the ability to say, hey, nope, I'm gonna wait until three days from now to answer that email. Or I'm not doing this because I'm tired and I don't want to. And that should be enough of a reason. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hell yeah cheers to that chin chin yeah yeah so yeah that is our list for 2020 um which i think was pretty comprehensive yeah i feel like we made the year seem cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah so now um it's time for our segments um, first up, I would like to do Celie's glass of water. Oh, Mr. Talking Trash about sure. Folks don't like nobody being too proud or too free. I wanted, because this is our holiday special, um, about all of 2020, I wanted today's glass of water to be extra large, um, to encompass the entire year. The people who receive Celie's glass of water today will be getting the biggest glass ever for all they've done and the chaos that they've created in the countless lives of us all during this year. So today's glass of water, Celie's glass of water goes out to us Americans. We had one job, people. One job, all we had to do was stay in the house for three to four months. And we could have flattened the curve. And there was a moment where we were trying. 
we were actually doing that. Um, and I would like to preface this by saying that this does not include essential workers or people who do not have the luxury of staying home. Like people who are required to do so in order to sustain a living, um, medical workers, essential workers, like it doesn't include that. This particular glass of water goes out to the entitled spoiled assholes who insist on going to restaurants and bars and social gatherings despite knowing having the knowledge that you're going out could possibly kill people this is not hyperbole this is a proven fact and a lot of americans looked at these facts and collectively decided Meh, maybe probably i'm the exception so it's cool i can do all these things it's fine and then besides that they decided that during the holidays, they wanted to ramp it up and go visit family members and people um, um, in their social lives, not outside of their pods, so to speak, in order to eat mediocre holiday food for a holiday that I thought we all collectively agreed was a bullshit racist holiday. So I am confused on what it is that we want here. Like, do we want to kill people? Do we want to die? Like, do you actually want to get to a point where we're all safe again? I don't know. I thought we were all on the same page, but I've learned this year that we are clearly not. And that expecting Americans in general to care about other people is too high a bar. So like, I am still coming to terms with that. I'm still rather hurt about the whole situation and seeing the numbers pile up, seeing as America continues to get in its own way and be its own problem while other parts of the world are actually dealing with this um, has been, I don't want to say it's an eye opener for me because these are things that I was always kind of peripherally aware of, but seeing it um, acted out in this very real way um, has been, um, it has resolved a lot of things for me about what I think and thought about this country and not in a good way. So I'm hoping that people really start to pay attention and really start to care, but it's feeling more and more that that is too tall in order. So yeah, this one, this glass goes out to all of us. I'm very sad for us. And I hope that the vaccine comes soon because apparently that is the only thing that can save us. Damn y'all. Um, now for my segment, Q Kevin Gates. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. One in four cowboys were black. In fact, it is believed the term cowboy originated as a derogatory term used to describe black cow hands. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. And now it's time for parting words. 
All right, Max, what's, what are your parting words? Um, my parting words are um, pop smoke, UFOs. Um, what else? Oh, um, Androids in the Tower, uh, visual poems are available on Etsy. Androids in the Tower um, clothing, also available. Email me, DM me, um, DM me. Um, NTP Etsy is hot and firing. Um, it's the holiday seasons. Check out Nat Turner Project Etsy. Um, we have tons of amazing publications, um, especially for 2020. Um, you know, everything being COVID, we definitely put a lot of energy into our most recent publication, um, Black Abbey. Um, the Black Abbey zine, which is amazing. Tons of great artists. Check it out. Um, we're button machines. We have buttons. Um, yeah, those are my parting words. Um, 2020. Um, we know I don't have anything profound. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And my parting words are look out for Watershed Volume 2 that's coming out early next year, probably January, the latest February. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> Maybe March. <laughs> I don't know when these people are going to let me work. I don't know. So <laughs> 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 but it is coming y'all it is in the pan it is in the can and ready to go so yeah um uh, i will see y'all we will see y'all in 2021 um and let's hope we all come out the other side better for it learn something y'all learn something. Oh, there it is there's my there's my <laughs> there's my thing all right good night y'all good night Queen like the fatigue uh Oh, my little mama sitting pretty And we be shopping through the city I gave the keys to the Bentley Get off your knees, you don't gotta cry to me I'm your best friend, baby, you don't gotta lie I get you everything that you want and you need From Chanel to Celine, it's on you to decide Valentino, yeah, I'll put you in the best Start lifting up your dress, start kissing on your neck Start rubbing on your butt, start massaging your